All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. something from the Todd Feinberg show listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast yep WTIC 860-522-9842 Mark calling from South Windsor hey there Mark what's up Mark Joey hit those phones you got the hammer handy give a nice hammer slam all right see if you can figure the phones out and we'll play another rant yeah i just wanted to tell people don't worry too much about that quinnipiac poll with the 17 points and such that quinnipiac poll is run by rosa doloro's husband so need i say more thanks bye the rig system baby hello i have a uh question on uh, Senator Rick Blumenthal. I would like to know, since we have not heard any objection to the mutilation of the children here, was he also in favor of Dr. Mengele? Now, if he was, I think as far as I'm concerned, every doctor here who does those performances on children is Dr. Mengele. I cannot believe he is silent on that. I like to have an answer. Isn't that interesting, huh? Let's see. The stock market is crashing. Venezuela is emptying their prisons and letting their prisoners come across the border into the United States. Baby formula shortage is still going on. Military is told to apply for food stamps. And what is Joe doing? Having Elton John perform at the White House. Remind you of Nero playing the fiddle while Rome burns. People, you need to remember this in November. We need to vote Republicans and get the Democrats out of office. I wonder what Elton John's song was uh, requested by Joe Biden. Tiny Dancer? I don't know. Let's check with Mark Christopher. He's in the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Oh, yes, WTIC. Appreciate you being here with us. Yep, let's try uh, Sean in Enfield, see if they, we can get the connection here. Hey, Sean. Good afternoon. Good Hello, afternoon. Sean. Uh, I'm calling about the Quinnipiac poll. Yes, sir. For, for the Senate and the governorship. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think they're both 
overestimated as far as um, the Lamont and Blumenthal, but I, my pulse, personal pulse, talking to coworkers, about I'd say 25, 30 of them. I would say about half don't plan on voting because mm-hmm. they don't like Lamont or Blumenthal, but they're not happy with the Republican side at all. And I've been that way since April, May, and I've been calling in and talking about that and saying, wait till Labor Day, it's, the campaign's going to pick up. But yep. I, I would say the realistic results are going to be six, eight points uh, victory for Lamont. And um, I would say about 10, 10, 10 12 points for uh, Blumenthal. Well, why are you uh, – do you think it's important to get a change? I'm sorry, what's that? Do you think it's important to have a change? A change? Yes. In other words, for yeah. Democrats to lose and Republicans to win? Uh, yes and no. I think the the victory, you know, it's, I think it's, there's going to be a, a, a bigger victory for Republicans uh, nationwide regarding the House and the Senate overall. But in Connecticut, eh, you know, we're stuck with what we got, <laughs> you know, and the people deserve what, what they voted for and what they get. Well, but what if uh, what if people voted for change and then they would deserve change? They're not going to vote for change. T- trust me, I have my hand on the pulse. No, I I know the question. First of all, you're taking the pulse before uh, the the it's time to take the pulse. There's no, no point no, we, in we taking. Are, we're, we're, we're approaching October. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and over the next uh, seven weeks, that's when the campaign no, that's will. No, not true. No, if I if I look if I ran for governor four years ago, five years ago, whatever, and I was running again for uh, another chance to uh, defeat uh, to unseat the incumbent, I would have been out there a lot sooner. And I don't, he, he's and I been he's he, been out there the whole time. So there's Sean. the The problem with with what you're saying is that it's um, it's so fatalistic. So you want things to be improved. And you're out there talking about how they can't be improved. Nah, nothing's going to change. Nothing will ever change. What's the point in in uh, living life that way? I don't get it. Fight for change. Uh, at the day after Election Day, if it hasn't come, then you can say we lost. But I don't understand why people spend months talking about how we're losing. We're going to lose. It's done. We lost. Even though the vote hasn't been taken yet, even though the campaigning hasn't happened yet, we lost. You're crazy if you don't agree with me. No, I think it's crazy to take that approach. It's so negative. That's just me, though. Let's talk to Leibowitz. Michael Leibowitz, hello there. Hello, Todd. You're actually talking about the exact subject I want to talk about, and that's the gubernatorial race. Okay. Okay, so you just said about, you're talking about fighting for change. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that the, the word fight there is, extremely important, and I think that that might be part of the problem with Mr. Stefanowski's campaign. Now, I'm not so presumptuous as to think I know exactly what he should do to win, but I I do know a little bit about human nature and about the trends that have been taking place in the country over the last decade or so. Mm -hmm. And I I remember, uh, I think it was about three years ago, during the whole debate about uh, early voting in the state, and you went after Len Fasano pretty hard on his position. And I remember Bob Stefanowski sticking up for him. And I said to you at that time, you know, that may just have cost him the governor's race, you know, a few years from now. Now, obviously, I was getting ahead of myself because I, he 
clearly he could have cleaned that up. That wasn't going to stick in people's minds. But if that is a character trait of his, that he tends to defend the establishment and doesn't want to make waves, that could be a problem. Now, a couple months ago, you know, I'm in prison here and I'm around correctional officers. They're state workers. And I was able to hear quite a few state workers discussing how they would never vote for Stefanowski. And they said they would never vote for him because they thought that he was going to take on the unions. I thought that was great. I hope he does take on the unions. It wasn't long after that that he was defending the correctional officers out of Cheshire. And then he was on your show talking about how, you know, I'm not going to go after state workers. It's not the state workers' fault. You know, Well, they're part of the union. They're part of the problem. And he's not going to win enough votes out of the state workers to get him elected anyway. I think he would have been much better off going hard after the state workers, going hard after the state unions, and all of the state unions, including the correctional officers and the police unions, even though those are traditional Republican voters. If Donald Trump, Todd, has taught us anything, it's that, one, you can fight and you can go after entrenched interests and still get elected. And two, you don't have to stick to the company line or traditional Republican stances. You actually can be a free thinker and a fighter and win. And I haven't seen that out of Stefanowski. And I think that that might be some of the frustration that your callers are feeling and also some of the independence. Because if all you're going to be is a standard politician, we already have met for that. Yeah, I have no doubt that uh, there are certain people, uh, particularly our um, most adamant listeners and callers, who feel that they want to see out of a Connecticut Republican the same rhetoric and the same um, the same hard nosed attitude that they would get out of, a, say, a Texas Republican. You know, they want him to be Ted Cruz or or Ron DeSantis and. The fact is that the way politics works is that if you're a if you're a radical Democrat, a socialist communist, mainstream radical in the Democratic Party, and you're running in a state that is a red state, you don't run around talking about your radicalness. You talk about mainstream things and you try to cover up. And that's how you win elections if you're in a red state running as a radical Democrat. And if you're a hard-nosed conservative running in a blue state, you tend towards the middle. And I'm not saying Bob is either one of those. I'm not characterizing him. I'm just saying this is the law of physics for electoral politics. I don't know how you avoid that, that you okay. can measure, and there, there is a scientific measurement of what people are willing to vote for in any given state and it's different in each pool of voters and that's inescapable so when you see yeah. when you see that kind of behavior like what are there 50,000 state workers or, or something like that and then there's thousands more who are living off the benefits and that's a big pool the reason that democrats pay direct payments of tax dollars to state workers is to be able to guarantee their votes and what you are doing in your research is finding out that that's what that payment has successfully done. So if somebody's trying to win an election by doing a calculation as to how they soften that support for uh, for uh, the, the Democrats from state workers, that, that sounds like a rational thing to do. And you have to trust that they're studying the data and figuring out what the best route is for them to follow. 
Okay, Todd, you said a lot, so there's a lot to reply to. So you said it's a law of physics. Well, Newtonian physics held sway for about 250 years until a guy named Einstein came around and, and showed that it was flawed. Um, also, you earlier were talking about when Lamont was coming out with all his data on crime, and you talked about how numbers aren't, you know, they can be manipulated and skewed. And I think that that could be a similar thing with looking at the data. Well, there's no question that, that everybody could everybody could be getting their estimates wrong when they're dealing with numbers. All I'm saying is you have to sit there and look at numbers and figure it out for yourself, especially if you're a candidate and you try to find a route to victory. And that's how politics that's works. People don't run in order to lose. They run in order okay. to win. And when faced with well, those decisions, that's what they do is they, they calculate how they can get elected. Yes. Now, here's the thing. You said if you're a hard conservative, and I'm not talking about him being a hard conservative. I think there's a lot of— And I wasn't talking about him. I was just giving—I was no, just giving a framework. No, but this, that's my point. Is I, I'm, I kind of want to stick to this, because state employee unions are the biggest problem in this state. By no, far, there's no opinion. question. And there's such no a big problem that anybody running as a Republican— hides from them, and people who've gotten elected as Republicans actually give in to it because they think it's an unbeatable force. Okay. Now, I, I also, from what I understand, independents are actually the largest voting bloc in the state. A lot of them, a lot of Republicans, and a lot of Democrats have to know that the state workers and, and state unions are the problem in this state. So he, Bob or anybody else running wouldn't have to be a radical, hardline conservative to take on the state unions. All you have to be is a thinking, breathing human being, for God's sake, and you can see that they're a problem. And if somebody were willing to take them on and really take them on, not kiss their derrieres, you might actually see people voting who don't traditionally vote. Yeah, that you could might be. see independents break Republicans. Yep. And right now, clearly, what he's doing is not working. Clearly, conjoling state workers who are never going to vote for him anyway is not working. He, need, in my view, he need, needed to bring over some of your inner city uh, residents, which could have been done perhaps if you really went after, for instance, the teachers' unions who keep their keep the inner city kids uh, poorly educated, the correctional unions who who mismanage the prison system, and the police unions who a lot of people in the inner city are tired of. But instead, Bob chose to do the safe calculation that you talked about, and it's gotten him nowhere. And well, I, the only thing I would dispute about what you're saying, I don't think you can draw a conclusion about where it's gotten him. The race is just getting into the, the uh, section that's critical right now. This is the home stretch. It's kind of a heartbreak hill. This is where you take everything you've learned about the campaign up to this point and you apply it and yeah, you hit, hit your hardest blows and you figure out what the openings are for you to win. So I don't know that we know, and I don't think the polls that we've seen, uh, if, if you look at the last one, the Quinnipiac, which I, I think is clearly garbage, and, 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 and in polling terms they call that an outlier, and you just ignore it, and then you look at the eight points and you say, well, the eight points is probably off by at least five, and then you've got a three or four point race, and it's kind of close. And what can you do to close that gap? Or a gap? thirteen point race, or a thirteen point race. It could break either way. And the thing no, is, it, it, but them. but they everybody in the business will tell you it gets tighter as it gets closer. I have no doubt about that, and I'm not saying that it's a lost cause or that he can't win. When I say where it's gotten him so far, I mean where the polling's at right now. Whether you have it at eight 
or 15 or three, whatever it is, he's losing to a buffoon, a, a lying buffoon who couldn't manage, manage his way out of a paper bag, a guy responsible for thousands of deaths in the state during COVID, mm-hmm. a guy who's, uh, who's out there and, and says his wife's out in Kentucky. It turns out she's not really in Kentucky, or maybe she is. I, I don't know. Yeah, no, really then he admitted he was lying. Yeah, then he admitted he was tape. lying because that was safer. Yeah. yeah. So the fact that you can't beat that guy tells me something's very wrong. I think most people in this state know something's wrong, but unless you offer them a clear solution, you're going to fix, for instance, the whatever $90 billion or $150 billion, I've heard so many different numbers, debt that we're in due to the state, uh, state employee pension. Unless you're going to fix that, this state can never be fixed. And he had an opportunity, in my view, at the beginning to really get into that. He said he was going to audit the state agencies. I thought maybe he would go after that hard, but then he went soft. And that's exactly what he did a few years ago with Len Fasano. And my guess is that there's a lot of other areas that I'm unaware of where that's happening as well. And I think if he instead decided to be a fighter and really take things on, and if you lose being a fighter, there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. But why lose catering to things that are obviously wrong, Todd? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and I, look, I have no problem with the the theory, and and all these things are theories of how does one win a race? Because I, I think Bob's a highly competitive guy. He's got ten million dollars of his own money there, and he's uh, he's hired the, the people he thinks are the best, and he's fired some of them, and he's working twelve or fifteen hours a day every day because that's how he is. And he's tenacious in his pursuit of it. He's just doing the math differently than you and differently than me. And I have I respect him for that because he's a really smart guy. He may be making a mistake and he may cruise to victory and we'll all be laughing at ourselves when uh, when when the day after the election happens. Todd, there's always that saying, let Trump be Trump, which I think is ridiculous. But at the same time, instead of paying consultants or all that, maybe Bob should be Bob and not listen to outside consultants, and he would have a, a lot better chance. Before I go, I just yep. want to say, Todd, if you end up going on that picnic, if I'm out of jail by then, I hope I'm invited. Well, I hope so, too. <laughs> Although the others may not want me there. So, you know, I'm you sure everybody would love to have that. you there. Everyone's learned what a, <laughs> what a decent and uh, thoughtful person you are. Leibowitz, thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you, sir. You have a great night. All righty. Now, how did he be? How was he on the line over 15 minutes when the calls are automatically cut off after 15 minutes from prison? I don't get it. I don't get it. But that's what happened. Um, yeah, you know, everybody can second guess. We don't know what the right thing is on these elections and how to get elected. And it's a really challenging thing when Democrats have spent decades robbing the state blind the the democrats admit to 90 plus billion dollars in debt they admit to that and ned runs around talking about how he's reducing that obligation using money that was sent to him by joe biden to pay it down three billion dollars so it's gone from 96 billion to 93 And he takes that as a badge of honor instead of looking at what a miserable thing this Democratic-led government is and what it's done to the people of the state. Ninety-plus billion dollars. It used to be higher because he paid some down. It's still 
90 plus billion dollars crushing debt that makes it miserable to live in the state. It makes the taxes thousands of dollars higher per year on residents of Connecticut than other states like New Hampshire or Florida. 860-522-9842. We're going to the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. Mark Christopher, rock and roll Christopher is there. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more rest, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the markable fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. Oh, WTIC. There was a, I got an email today about a new poll. This is a, kind of in response to Michael Leibowitz, what he was talking about in the last segment. Because one of the things I was thinking about I didn't have time to get into, when you're talking about how to campaign to win, the challenge is how do you break through the utter unawareness that the vast majority of voters have of what the issues are going on in the state? So a lot of people think that Bob should have been voting, uh, running on, um, on COVID mismanagement by Ned. And Ned did, did a horrible job. It's criminal. The, the negligence that he bestowed upon the state that led to so many deaths. But the average person has no idea. And it's a hard thing to penetrate the marketplace w- with that kind of knowledge. And I have a little piece of evidence here. It's a uh, it's an email that I received. And you get these when you're in the radio business, you get these all the time. New poll paid family leave more popular than pumpkin spice lattes. Now, this is this is not uh, Connecticut targeted information. It's a national story. A new poll from Navigator shows that more people want paid family and medical leave than they do pumpkin spice lattes this fall. Now, that makes perfect sense because pumpkin spice lattes are awful. And only 42% of Americans say they would order one, which is about the level of Joe Biden support. However, they go on to say four in five Americans support paid time off for caregiving responsibilities. Now, this is idiocy to think that somehow you need the government to take your money away so it can give it back to you, so you can have it for all these things. But they, when they break them up to these little categories, don't you think it would be great if you got to have free 13 weeks off 
when something bad happened in your family. Oh, sure, that, that's wonderful. But nobody's walked them through the idea that that's your money. And if all these things were left alone so that you'd have the money instead of government, you'd pay for it easily. All right, let's get traffic update. Mark Christopher in the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. What's going on there, Marcus? How are the roads today? Now, back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. WTIC, Monday afternoon, another rocking week. It's getting, uh, it's getting to feel like fall. It happens so fast, isn't it weird? Bill, hello there. Hi, how you doing? What's on your mind? Uh, great, good. I uh, enjoy listening to the show. Thank you. you know, I just wanted to say, as a, you know, as a conservative here, a Republican in Connecticut, I know the chances of us ever getting elected you know, in this state, a Democrat is probably slim, but my question is this. We have so many much, so many more popular policies from the Republican standpoint, I feel. But the one setback, it always seems to draw us back. That always kind of like, you know, pinpoints us as uh, the, the bad thing is just our, our views on abortion. My theory is this. Why don't we just go out and say right now, hey, we're all for abortion. Hey, if you want to, if you want to have an abortion, we're all for it. Go, you know, and if you're, a, if you're a liberal and you want to have a an abortion, yeah, you go up to 100 months of having an abortion. We don't care. It's just another future, you know, liberal anyways that, you know, one less we have to worry about. <laughs> My well, is a, that. If, actually, if that's not necessary. It's not necessary. No. The binary on abortion is a false notion, and most Americans who support abortion want limits on it, and most Americans who don't support abortion think there should be some abortion. And I agree. No, and I know that, but the way it's being— it, for some reason, the way it's being twisted is that republic. If you're a Republican, if you want to vote for a Republican, you're gonna be pro. You know, gonna be pro, pro life, and it's gonna be you can't have abortions. I just feel like I don't know why it got twisted like that because I know it's not the case. Because Democrats have a partnership with the media, the media distorts everything on their behalf. But real people understand these issues, and right. abortion has not been a deal killer over the past fifty years at all for. Okay. Uh, Republicans, it's actually worked quite well for them, and that's why they've they've done it. The only thing that's happening right now, and Bill, I've got to hold you right there. Thank you for the call. The only thing that's happening right now that's unusual is that we have a wonderful new Supreme Court that is actually willing to issue rulings that are supportive of the American system of government, which includes federalism. The idea that the states are supposed to be running their own businesses and the federal government is, is supposed to be minimal in its activities. And the abortion ruling 50 years ago, Roe v. Wade, was putting the federal government into the business of controlling something that it had no rightful control over. That power laid in the hands of the states and this court has happily taken a turn back towards state control over people's lives rather than uh, federal government control. And by the way, that control should be minimal in both governments' parts. So it's much better to be in this model than it is theirs. And so, so Republicans are going to take a hit, perhaps, 
this year because of that. But that's a small price to pay in my mind for having a Supreme Court willing to reveal and demonstrate and showcase its support for the American system of government. Speaking of which, let's talk to Chris Powell. We'll take some more calls in a few minutes. But Chris Powell's here from the Journal Inquirer for his regular visit. Hello there, Chris. Hey, Todd. So you've got a gripe with education again this week. I always love your education gripes and your government secrecy gripes. So this is a good one. Well, you know, we, we call it public education, and my complaint is it really doesn't like being public. It, it tries to be private when, whenever it can, even though it, it takes our, 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 our money. Uh, the Journal Inquirer the other day had a story about uh, a pretty big scandal in the community college uh, system. Uh, the uh, community college system fired uh, the president of Manchester Community College. Uh, she sued, uh, claiming that it was a matter of uh, gender discrimination and uh, you know, personal retaliation. Uh, and uh, what do you know, uh, the uh, community college system uh, not only reinstated her, but paid her uh, $775,000 in damages. And the system will not explain why, uh, won't explain, uh, you know, why she was fired and, and why she was reinstated. And when the newspaper uh, asked to see the personnel files of the executives who were uh, accused in the uh, president of the college president's lawsuit, the uh, uh, college system would not uh, disclose the uh, personnel files of the uh, the executives who had just uh, cost the state seven hundred and seventy five thousand uh, dollars. So the newspaper is going to have to go to the Freedom Information Commission and probably will get access to the files in a a year in, or so in an untimely manner. The, yeah, long after the uh, the election. Uh, the uh, the House Majority Leader uh, Jason Rojas uh, uh, gave a remarkable statement to the paper, uh, saying, "Well, he he didn't really think that personnel files of government employees, uh, you know, sh- should be public. Though by law they've been public since before he was born. Uh, back in 1975, uh, the the law took 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 effect. Uh, Rojas said that uh, you know if you make the government employee personnel files public." Government might have uh, trouble recruiting, you know, top talent. Well, the, the the three executives whose files were being asked for here, uh, they're making uh, two hundred fifty-six thousand dollars, two hundred forty thousand dollars, and two hundred twenty-eight thousand dollars. Sounds like your recruitment problems aren't very big. Yeah, I, I you think really uh, that if personnel files are disclosed, uh, it's going to cause those. Uh, uh, very rich state executives there to give up their jobs. I'll take that pension. money. You can put my employee file up on a billboard. <laughs> you can even call me names. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, so here's here's the, the the public college system making sure that a scandal is covered up and the files are covered up. Uh, and then I, you've been fighting with the Hartford school system about that nurse that they suspended back in March when she made comments about the school system's transgenderism policy and keeping keeping sexual dysphoria of their students secret from, from, from parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, I finally got the school system to release some documents to me a couple of weeks ago, and they, they showed that they fired the nurse uh, uh, back in July, uh, but they won't tell me whether she's appealing her her dismissal or not to the state board mediation and, and, and arbitration. They won't tell me, uh, are they trying to negotiate a financial settlement with her? I mean, 
uh, all public payments are supposed to be uh, public, but it's entirely possible they'll they'll keep this secret here. I mean, this is a public issue, and this ought to be uh, disclosed as well, that you just can't get the Hartford school system to come clean about this. Uh, and and these, these scandals are happening in a public education in Connecticut uh, uh, very frequently. Uh, and I, I just don't think we ought to be calling it public education. It's not. We're talking to Chris Powell from the Journal Inquirer. So what's your theory on this? It, it occurs to me that that as newspapers shrink, particularly in Hartford, there's not that much news reporting that goes on, that you that there might be this sense amongst the political class that they can get away with a lot more, that because nothing of, uh, of normal day-to-day management gets reported, or very little of it does, that they can even get away with not revealing things that are, everybody has a right to know because that's not going to get much reported. Yeah, th- this has been a, a, a problem in Connecticut for and around the country for, for years, that the smaller the, the press gets, and for the most part, the, the only serious journalism uh, done in Connecticut is done by, by newspapers, the smaller the press gets, the more the government can, uh, can get away with. And uh, it's going to get worse and worse and worse uh, if the current trend uh, continues. And certainly the government people know they can... They can get away with things. They they can see that their their meetings and their their doings are not being uh, covered by reporters as much anymore as yeah. the, as the press uh, shrinks. It's 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 a it's a license for them to steal. It used to be that every little meeting got covered, and I assume that very few of those do those uh, board meetings and stuff at night. There used to be reporters, right? And covering everything. Yeah, school board meetings were, you know, a prime uh, topic for for coverage. But look, I, I don't blame the press so much. I mean, the the the, the press can can cover only what it can sell to to readers. Sure. Uh, what's happening in Connecticut really is uh, is a decline in uh, in literacy and civic engagement. You you look at the proficiency test scores coming out of the the schools. Most kids in Connecticut graduate from high school without ever mastering uh, high school math and English. Uh, these you know, kids are not going to grow up to be newspaper readers. They're not going to grow up even to be citizens. I had a revelation about the importance of reading a newspaper today. And I, I don't really recall what it was exactly. It was one of those crystallizing moments that I that just hit me and then I moved on. But it had to do with the fact that you, when you're holding a newspaper, the actual paper in your hands, that you see so many things that are that pique your interest, that under the format of reading the same information set online, you don't tend to see the things that you're not looking for. And I feel like there's a real suffering of understanding that goes on because we're not, our eyes aren't exposed to the stories that we normally wouldn't think to look for. Yeah, that used to be uh, touted as a great virtue of the general interest newspaper. Uh, It would cause people to see things, as you said, that they wouldn't ordinarily see. When we're, when we're dealing with the, uh, the Internet, usually we're looking for something in particular, and, you know, we, we aren't exposed to, to uh, as much as we might have been if we were still reading newspapers. Now, it's perfectly possible to be exposed to, you know, everything on the Internet if you, you want to put yourself a little bit to, uh, you know, have broaden your search a little bit and, and, and look at the other headlines on the pages. But, uh, People are doing that less, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid, and 
this is signifying a, a great uh, decline in civic engagement. Chris Powell, always good to talk with you, even though they're not the most uplifting of conclusions that we come to. It's necessary for us to be exposed to them nevertheless. Well, thanks, Todd. <laughs> you keep up doing what you're doing. It's, uh, <laughs> it's all we can do. Yes. Chris Powell, Journal Inquirer. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you, sir. 860-522-9842. Pete calling from East Hartford. Hey, Pete. Hey. How's it going, Todd? What's happening? Hey, um, I have a few ideas for some campaign ads for Bob. Oh, but, good. But before I do that, i got to tell you something. Okay. Um, just give you the heads up. So, so that, you know, you get a chance to grab a copy of the latest GQ. You know, okay. who's on the front, you know who's on the front page? You know, I don't know who's been on for the past 30 years, I don't think, on the front page. Who? Well, I happen to get a free copy because that's the only way it comes to my house. <laughs> Eventually, I, I think they think I'm going to buy it. But anyhow, it came. I opened the mailbox. And who's on the front page? AOC. Wow. Wow, I was like turned on, man. I had to turn it over really quick. And I said, man, I, I got to put this away because I'm getting too excited. But anyhow, let's get over to um, Bob's campaign. Okay. Um, a good idea for, for an ad. First of all, he's got a, um, how do I put this nicely besides saying grow a set of them? But um, he's got to get mean and nasty and he's got to get a little hardcore. Let's take Lamont and put him in a, a crown, like a Burger King crown, mm -hmm. you know, um, symbolizing, you know, well, of course he's a fool, but he's a king. Remember, he took over the state of Connecticut. He was king. He was running the state of Connecticut for how many months with no, with no input? He was king. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we need to remind people what he did. He wasn't our governor. He was our king. There was no input. He was doing, he had all the power that he gave himself. Okay. And another, you know, and that's a good point that to um, to remind people of. And another thing too is all the deaths that he caused with the nursing homes. How about taking some video and 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 passing through some, you know, our the state of you know Connecticut and going to in front of some of the nursing homes and reminding them how many reminding the public how many lives were lost. That is very acute and uh, emotional stuff. Uh, the nursing homes in particular. Thank you, Pete. April, hi, you're on WTIC. Um, hi, thank you for um, helping with my uh, lesson plans. I usually do, um, especially like fact and opinion with my, my sixth graders, and I will assign them news articles. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a, it would be a really good idea to give them the, the news outlet and then have them choose their article and report to the class about it. And I may switch it up a little mm -hmm. bit more because we don't read the newspaper like we used to. And... The other thing is old school me, um, my journalist teachers always reinforced, you only give the facts. And so I, I use news articles quite often to have the kids, which are facts and which are opinions. And it's interesting what they come up with. Are they able to see through the confusion of some stories? Not right away. But then when we look at it and then we discuss it, they have really good discussions about um, what makes it a fact and what makes it an opinion. Mm -hmm. I love that. What that must be fun to teach that way. Oh, it's. It, I mean, I'm at a Catholic school, but I mean, we can do we can mix things up a little bit, 
and I think you're right. I think that was really important that we don't do enough with old with regular print newspapers. So now I've got to think about how to. Yeah. Now more. No, uh, uh, call up the, uh, the, the well, wherever you are. I don't know where you are. Yeah. But call, call up your local newspaper and ask them to dump off a bunch of copies. And and I, I think that would be really interesting for the kids to look at one because they, they maybe have never seen a newspaper. April, thank you so much for the call. 860-522-9842. Traffic update time. We're going to talk to the head of the state Republican Party after news but mark christopher is in the waiting in the bps lawyers traffic center hey mark all-star closer kenley jansen we have a question what's the best podcast of all time baseball isn't boring baby i'm rob bradford and every single day i'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game it's my podcast it's my passion it's a cause i started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is another fact so jump aboard the bib express follow and listen to baseball isn't boring presented by wasabi hot cloud storage on the free odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts